paying bills on time? Oh yeah. Not maxing out credit cards? That's what I'm talking about. Learning what credit utilization is? Yes, give yourself credit. You can reach some pretty big goals like home ownership by taking small steps like those to build up your credit. Get started by leveling up your credit knowledge at FannieMae.com slash credit education. That's FannieMae.com slash credit education. Home ownership, here you come. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever. So you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. I'm Colin Horton. I'm an award-winning surveyor, part-time property investor, and self-confessed entrepreneur. I believe that business is all about getting to know the people that you're dealing with, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing on this podcast. We'll be having in-depth chats, asking the personal questions, and ultimately, getting candid. Good morning, guys. Welcome to today's episode of Candid. Uh, I've got a lovely guest today, um, and... This second season, Energy, is kind of all about trying to kind of inspire the listeners. Uh, I was about to say readers, but you can't read a podcast. So um, I've got a lovely girl called Rosie today who is making waves in the property development sector. And I'm really intrigued to kind of hear her story. Um, it's the first time we've ever spoken, so we don't actually know each other. So, um, <laughs> and I really hope you guys take some really cool sound bites from it. And without further ado, I'm going to pass over to Rosie to introduce herself and we'll go from there. Yeah, so thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, I'm Rosie. I'm the director and co-founder of Newman Rose Property Group with my business partner, Tyler, uh, who's also um, quite big in the sort of social media space with property. Um, my background is property development since birth, pretty much. My family are property developers and builders. Um, but last year, I decided to go it alone. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot I want to ask you just even from that very brief opening statement. So um, just talk about your background because I always like to kind of get to know you. It helps me just kind of guide the convo, so to speak. So obviously you mentioned your family's in property development. Um, yeah. Where was that? National? Regional? Was it small time, big time? Uh, no, it's it's national. Um, quite big time. So they've got... Um, Property, uh, I say property, a development portfolio of over a billion pounds now and over wow. 10,000 units across the UK. That's development, not retained portfolio. Um, but what's interesting about Cassidy Group was um, it's a very small team um, that deliver that pipeline. So I think when I was there, it was five of us. So it's four people or five people now because um, a new member of staff joined. So for a very small team, they have a really massive output. So it's a very interesting business to be part of because 
you sort of do a bit of everything um, when the team's that small with an output of that big. That is mad. Four people or yeah. five. <laughs> that is, that's incredible. So who, what's, what's the dynamic there? So is it your mum and dad or? No, it's my dad and my uncle. Um, yep. James, my dad, Patrick, my uncle. Um, they're both the directors. And then um, there's two other office staff. There was myself and then also a cousin worked there as well so she's now uh, after I left she's now rejoined after some maternity leave so it's a bit of a, it's a very family <laughs> business <laughs> how was it how, how was it working with family how was it um you'd be honest I mean honest. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's good like, we all we yeah. got on really well um but for me the reason I left was just I'd, I hadn't always worked at Castis. I'd worked for myself probably since I left school at 18 mainly for myself rather than sort of Cassidy's and I just found it hard going back to being having a boss basically I like to be my own boss I'm a little bit unemployable at this stage um I just like to do what I want to do when I want to do it and working for someone else doesn't allow for that so yeah it was pretty much just the decision to to go it alone I completely rate that it's that unemployable it's a real kind of like you're like oh shit I've quit my job I'm gonna go yeah. on my own I don't think I can ever work for someone ever again I'm pretty fucked oh by the way you can swear not you sound like okay. a light person but you can swear no I've got a bad um, okay cool good all right so um obviously you mentioned um Tyler so I don't know Tyler but I've seen him on Instagram he seems to live yeah. a very wonderful life um how did you two become connected we went to secondary school together um so we've known each other since i think he joined the school in like year nine we've been friends ever since um we grew up in the same area in the midlands here um and then when all of our friends went to uni tyler and i didn't so we sort of stayed in contact there and then um probably two and a bit years ago we um became business partners within so we have an education product as well as the development company together um so he's my business partner on that product as well um so yeah we've been business partners now for about two and a half years awesome i mean talk, uh, you mentioned uh, training product because uh, <laughs> we had another guy um he he won the apprentice uh, joseph alente he's got like a construction trade mastermind okay. thing on here and that was really fascinating because it's a business model that i'd never really thought about as a uh, as a business model but i know it is yeah. It's a very good one if you can nail it. So what is your, um, so what taught me through your training product? So essentially it's a sort of A to Z of the development process, how to, I guess, how to be a developer. Um, But with a lot of sort of the key teaching is around how to find the right sites and how to appraise the sites correctly in the start. And then, because beyond that, a lot of the moving parts are much the same. Um, the, the value engineering really comes at the early stages of the deal and understanding the finance in detail. So it's all about that basically. And But from a, um, I guess, an experience backed perspective. So it's not necessarily textbook teaching. It's these are the things we do. So there's other methods out there that maybe other people teach or other developers do, but the only thing we teach is what we do and we know it's worked and it's like you know when you've got a portfolio the size of Cassidy one from a team of that size you know it works and that's basically the core principle behind the the education business no it's it's honestly I find it fascinating so we obviously I'm a surveyor so obviously okay. I'm in and around the sector uh, myself mm-hmm. and um our firm is kind of actively looking at development opportunities ourselves because we've got we've got building surveyor project manager you've got the infrastructure there now one thing yeah. I, so I, the thing I love about this podcast, is I kind of get free kind of business lessons from people, which I really yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great it's a great way of doing it. Um, so one big thing I think is the big thing I think is always a taboo topic when it comes to development, not taboo in in a bad sense. In that finance 
it's mm-hmm. financing these things, which is, of course, the trickiest bit. You can have the world's best training, the world's best experience, but you need someone to, to back it and to fund it. How, I mean, obviously, because you two don't strike me as that old. How, if you don't mind me, I know I should never ask a woman's age, but how old <laughs> are you? Um, I'm 24. We're both 24. Jesus Christ, I feel like <laughs> 24. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Um, like, I mean, it's, it's honestly incredible. I mean, how how did you, obviously, I was just, you know, how, for anyone that's kind of thinking about doing this themselves, uh, I don't know, maybe because your circumstances where you brought up with construction, it's maybe a little bit different, but for people maybe coming into a sector uh, like this, have a great site. What tips yeah. you could give them to try and get the right finance and to kind of, pull a deal together yeah I think first of all I'd be questioning what is their great site so one of the most valuable things in my opinion that you can do when it comes to development and the finance is to have a site which I say has got planning gain in it so there's profit in both the land and the construction so this just means your overall margins are a lot higher so when you turn around to a bank and you're wanting high coverage on your loan it's they're more accepting of that because your overall loan to value is lower because basically you're getting the land cheap and there's more yep. profit in the deal. So that would be my first thing is a great deal isn't a deal that's got 22% margin. That's like just about viable in my opinion and you're not going to get good lending terms. The margins I like to look for are like 30% so that basically I think I did calculations on a site I'm working on at the minute and at 100% coverage on senior debt, it represents a 56% loan to value. So straight away, the banks are interested at, of, to offer you a high coverage loan. Sometimes they'll even do 100% on that basis, uh, taking into account what we call like the soft equity being that planning gain. Um, but if not, what we then do is um, we take what we can get from the bank. Uh, sometimes we'll combine senior debt and mezzanine lending, depending what the offering is. Um, and then we also take on equity partners. So um, obviously we take in debt against secured against the asset, but then we also take on equity into the business from um, sort of high net worth individuals mainly or sophisticated lenders um, to make up any deficit between what what we can put in and what the banks are offering and what's needed. But like I say, because the margins are normally there in the first instance, that whole process becomes a lot easier. And that's like the, like something I can't stress enough to anyone I speak to about land is mm-hmm. that's what you need to be finding day one because funding's difficult anyway. Don't have a site that's difficult to fund as well. Yeah, so... The key takeaway from that is basically find a bit of land that you know just by putting a bit of plan permission on it, you can fundamentally walk away with profit if need be, worst comes to worst. Yeah, and that's the beauty of sites that have what what I call planning gain in them is you don't have to build out to get your profit. You've got options along the way. You could just sell it onto another developer and take that profit out. Or, of course, you could build it out and just make more, but it's it's a much nicer position to be in to have all those options rather than having to build out in order to – get yourself out of the hole basically yeah no that's very useful information actually i've taken a little note from that myself <laughs> so um so i'm actually looking at two stocks myself at the moment mm-hmm. um because as a surveyor by proxy of what you do you have opportunities yeah. to push your desk all the time yeah um what are your views on one rooftop developments and the two office to resi conversions Rooftop developments, as in the new PD right to increase. Yeah, yeah. So we've basically got an opportunity for a joint venture scheme with the freeholder, who is prepared to let us run the project, split profits accordingly. Um, 
what do you think? What do you think? You like the idea of kind of rooftop conversion? This isn't a sales pitch, by the way, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just I'm keen to kind of hear because yeah. actually, when you're based in the Midlands, there's a lot more, I guess, land opportunities yeah. than there yeah. are down here in, in you know in sunny South End. There's, there's yeah, cool really. There's nothing really yeah. around. Um, so obviously, we have to look at rooftops and office to resi stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you guys have done, or would you steer clear of, or any tips? Um, the rooftop stuff, it's not something we've done. Um, because like I say, we've sort of got abundance of other opportunities. I wouldn't necessarily steer clear. My only reservation would be understanding the interplay between, let's say, the existing building and your new development. Let's say you're putting some nice apartments at the top. Great. What does the rest of the building look like? If that's a bit of a shithole, then no one's going to want to buy half a million pound apartments if they've got to walk through and travel through this rough building so that would be my only reservation is how does that interplay work what is the ongoing management between the existing building and what will be the new development is it i'd probably be more enticed into one of those deals if it was the redevelopment of the entire building and a rooftop development so it can become sort of one cohesive block but i think yeah my only concern would be like i say that main interplay but the concept of it is great it's a development opportunity it's just understanding like the logistics behind um how they link into each other oh it's, it's honestly it's so much even just to get it off the ground like it's you've got to speak to all the bloody residents get them on board yeah. and a lot of these uh the ones that i've we seem to come across are kind of older people who may yeah. not, not necessarily i mean of course you wouldn't, wouldn't want to get a bloody flat built on your roof but um that stuff is really bloody tricky and it's just it's the big thing in our well, obviously down here in London. It's a massive thing at the moment. Obviously, everyone's on the PD schemes trying to get mm-hmm. any form of rooftop conversion. But obviously, yeah. it's, if you can make it work, it's a you know it's a tight little buck on it. So, uh, what about yeah. the Resi stuff? Have you ever done anything there, or do you get yeah. opportunities? Your yeah, one? we get a lot of opportunities like that. Um, yeah, I think that they can be great because you're because in that situation you've got the whole building normally sometimes I mean sometimes I've seen it where it's only part of the building but again I'd want the whole building um and yeah particularly at the minute because obviously of COVID changing the whole sort of work environment I know for example in Birmingham um a lot of grade A office space came up available so you know when there's less demand for offices obviously the best offices are going to rise to the top and be the ones that are taken so some of these sort of poorer quality office buildings are becoming available um and you know they make quite easy conversion because they're normally just sort of a concrete frame frame or seal frame building that could be knocked around inside to basically look like whatever put a new planning system on the outside um and you know basically you've got yourself a new building so overall i i like office to resi it's just sometimes you do find that because obviously they are a income generating asset in the first instance the office sometimes the deals are quite heavily front loaded so sometimes the finance can become hard because obviously you've got a landowner who that building has a higher land value day one than maybe you know a redundant garage does because it is income generating so in order to buy them out of it you've got to offer quite strong on the land so sometimes you do find that the sort of appraisals can become a bit front loaded and then like i say you just your margins are a bit squished and trying to get the funding on that just becomes a little bit harder no, you are incredibly knowledgeable, aren't you, on these things? Uh, <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, so one one thing, um, obviously, because what fascinates me, obviously, when I've seen on your Instagrams and stuff, like a lot of the sites, are, they they're generally just pure land, aren't they? A lot of the time that I've kind of come. I mean, how do you? 
like obviously cause i know there's a lot more land where you are in mm-hmm. the country um so what kind of is there a minimum size that you guys look for to um, at, the end, at the end so with newman rose we're um mainly going to be focusing on sort of luxury residential in the first instance and then moving forward into the future we actually have some quite big plans to sort of become our own fund and have a lot of retained prs stock but in the short term it is to establish the brand sort of luxury residential and because of that we're willing to take on quite small sites so if it was say three units but really like wowie homes we'd take on a small site but then equally two of the sites that we're um, in the process of buying now are quite big they're sort of like nearly 20 units and then we've got a few more at the minute with one landowner that'll probably be you know 60 50 60 units across wow. all the sites so really it, it depends i i sort of take a view it, you know rather than saying it must be this size site it's what could that site bring us and obviously one thing we're really keen on is that content creation which is quite new in the development space a lot of developers aren't really content creators so um i always view things as well as you know what content could be created off of this site and what what extrinsic value does that have additional to like just the value of the site because for me obviously with an education business and growing a personal platform there's value created in that as well so there's a lot more that sort of goes into considering sites for us than maybe normal developers because of that so like with your obviously a lot of videos you put up are is showing your day-to-day stuff um are they purely interlinked now then with your are they with your educational platform and your development so they kind of working in synergy to kind of both promote the ultimate goal which is kind of build build houses but then brand rosy as well at the same time yeah so um we with sort of Newman Rose and, you know, myself, we just want to become like a very transparent face within the um, development industry. And we've literally just take, taken on full-time videographers, you know, that are with us every day. Um, oh, wow. So hopefully um, over the next few months, you're going to start see, you know, basically very just open, honest and quite educational information because I just know that, you know, whenever I've wanted to explore a particular topic in a bit more detail there's not really been much information readily available online to help people with that and obviously I've been really lucky that I also have not only my family but from that I've got amazing contacts within the industry so I've always been able to call someone for an answer but not everyone has that facility so yeah we just want to document everything and then you know the education business I enjoy I enjoy teaching I've I've taught for a long time that was where the the idea for the education business came from but I'm not going to kid anyone it's obviously a profit-making business and the beauty of that is it's a cash flow business so you know at the minute I've got a few sites I'm going to take through planning and you know it'll probably cost two hundred thousand pounds to do that that money has to come from somewhere so by having a cash flow business we're able to cash flow the sort of planning applications and everything on the development side, which allows us to scale that business up quicker um, to document more quicker, which funds the education business more. And it's just a positive cycle all the way around. Um, You know, and that's really the whole purpose of having the two businesses. They are quite closely interlinked, um, but they're not property development mastery as it's called is a standalone product and Newman Rose is its own brand, but they, you know, it's known that they will be delivered obviously by me yeah that's honestly i think there's no i see a lot of training courses banned around on instagram you kind of come up on your sponsored ads and you're kind of seeing mm-hmm. the ones that kind of you yeah. relate to but i think what is nice about what you guys are doing is the way you do put the post across it does it doesn't come across as 
a shari or you know we're better than you it's, it's actually you kind of kind of feel part of the of the journey so to speak and i think that's so yeah. important to people to see it because i think you, you think of property developers you just think absolute ballers they're loaded living the dream <laughs> but god's a fuckload of stress that goes into getting to that point where you can be because i mean yes it's a you know it's a great business but it's so much stress involved um, oh yeah and you know that's what a lot of people you know don't know I love property development. I love property. I think it's a really great business model. Obviously, I am going to say that. But one thing I always say, particularly to my sales guys who do the sales courses, it's not for everyone. You know, for example, I'm signing loan agreements at the minute, which means I'm going to be taking on four million pounds worth of debt. Like that, some people couldn't sleep at night doing that. Like that is a lot of risk. I don't see it as risk because I understand the process. I'm confident in the site, confident in myself. But, you know, property developers have a lot going on. You know, and not only that, they're employing God knows how many people across the site that affects their livelihood. It's, you know, you've got 20 houses being built and the amount of moving parts going on with that. So yes, you do get a big reward at the end, but a lot of people don't actually also see the stress that goes into it. I don't know many property developers who finish work at five o'clock. You know, it's, it's long hours, normally working weekends as well. So there's a lot that goes into getting that reward at the end. And it's the stress, not just the working nine to five. It is the mental mm. stress that does come with it as well, isn't it? Because there are like, you know, uh, I've had a number of down valuations recently on kind of flip stuff that I've been doing yeah. and little things like that, small things, but it's all compiled. It all kind of sit yeah. back here, doesn't it? Like when you're trying to sleep or you're trying to relax, you're trying to go on holiday and you're like, oh, get off your phone. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you? Yeah, how, how does how does how does Rosie detox? What, what's your what's your relax time? Do you give yourself? Do you afford yourself any relax time? Yeah, time with my family is probably the most important thing for me. Um, I'm very family orientated, so uh, Tyler hates it. I'm knowing that if it's the weekend and I'm with my family, he will send me WhatsApps and he will like won't get a response for like eight ten hours. Sometimes Monday morning I'll respond and he's like, I hate you for that. But <laughs> if it's super important. Like if it needs answering, yes, I'll answer it. But if it's just him sending me an idea about a kitchen layout, it can wait until after I'm with my family. Um, so that's my biggest thing is I'm quite, when I am doing something else, I'm, I try to be as much as possible, like, you know, present with that. Um, but other than that, I think the key thing is for me, it's very enjoyable. So like me and Tyler went for dinner Friday night, just gone. And the whole time we just sat and spoke about business. Not because that, because, you know, we had to it's because that's what we enjoy talking about we're excited about it it's for me it's not it's not my job it's it's just what i do every day and it doesn't the stress becomes a bit easier when it's just overall sort of enjoyable yeah you need that i think you need that like i when i go for dinner my business partner like you fright sometimes you'll have low points and i'm sure you do you'll have low points where you do struggle you are a bit like oh i don't want to do this like it's, it's i mean you might not but it might be me but there are times where you do struggle and you do you know I've, it does get a lot running, running companies is, is stressful um and sometimes you do need those meetings to just pump you up a little bit that little bit of yeah, get, like, excited about things again and and sort of remind yourself why you're doing it for sure because there are don't get me wrong there's days when i'm sat just doing boring emails about grand investigation reports i'm like what is my life? But, it, you know, for me, my, I, I, I like the on-site part. I hate the lead-in. I, I get bored by that. I don't like being stuck at my desk. Whereas when it's actually on-site and I can see the houses being built and get involved in it that way, that's when, for me, it's like it's like a kid in a playground. I love that. It's, um, what, 
Okay, what was um, I like to hear kind of about people's like first deals and stuff. What talk to me about the first time you you completed your first like your first one from start to finish? How was that? The one of my like favorite moments, I guess, from um, like time to now was when uh, one of the Cassidy projects, the smaller residential ones, um, we as we actually retained some of the units and I now live in one. And I remember the first night in that house, like lying in bed being like, I remember setting out the foundations with Alex mm. in the office for this house. I like, and having seen it from like every single stage of the build and like walking through it every single stage and being heavily involved. to then all of a sudden being sat in my bed in that house was like just the most surreal feeling. And then it, and that's when it sort of clicked to me that that was, you know, stuff like the money's great, but personally, I, you know, I live quite a simple lifestyle to be perfectly honest. Like I, I don't care for that sort of stuff too much. It's, it's just the excitement of building homes. And that was when it really clicked to me that that's what we're doing is people live in these homes. Like I've sold them before and I spoke to the people, but I've never sort of seen it on the other side. I've always been the construction side. So then personally to have experienced that like first night, in something weird built was just like, yeah, it really clicked. And that was a big part of like the Newman Rose um, sort of ethos moving forward is we're building homes around lifestyles and, you know, so much thought will go into every element, you know, even things like the, the health impacts of that house, like how is it improving people's health and improving people's like mental health, like all of that's going into those houses. And it all comes from like that realization moment for me. So that's always been like, the biggest impact I've had like since sort of the start of the journey, I guess. I mean, it's a beautiful story. You built a house, you live in it. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm guessing you're going to do that again. Um, yeah, I, I think at some point I would love to build like my dream, dream home. Which is? I don't know, to be honest. You watch, 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 watch. What's your style? Like what, what kind of style are you? Kind of traditional? Are you modern? You? Um, I like very like Georgian style. Um, cool. Yeah. Quite big, like uh, very like symmetrical properties. I like sort of a um, modern contemporary finish. I don't like um, sort of the super high gloss like spaceship style homes. I don't like that. Yeah. I like. I love. Sounds really. I like, the face, but I love like nature to come into the houses. So like, I, I'm, I'm a plant mum. I have my plants everywhere. <laughs> I want my house to have good light for my plants. So a lot of glass and yeah, just like a really big flow. And, um, you know, me, me and Tyler actually, we're, we're looking at a site at the minute, which could hopefully house what we're calling a super home. So like a, you know, nine, 10,000 square foot house. And we're so excited about it. Not because we're going to keep it or even because of how much it'd be worth, just because building something like that with all the like details and thoughts that are going to go into it. Like, you know, Tyler last night was sending me, Instagram like pages like design houses and he was like I'm in a rabbit hole of design I can't get out because we're just yeah like something like that just gets us buzzing sort of thing how do you how do you find it with um because you both strike me um as you're quite you enjoy the putting together the end products in terms of mm-hmm. obviously talking about Pinterest pages and whatnot do you have interior designers that help you do that or do you trust your gut and just kind of go with what you think's right um we trust our gut um we're both quite sort of have a good eye for that sort of thing um but also sort of 
moving forward, again, sort of the whole Newman Rose brand and sort of being a bit different to other development businesses, we're actually probably going to look at partnering with brands and design houses. Um, so it's sort of like more like how you see with hotels, like, yep. um, like branded hotels that are like, you know, the Versace hotel. We would not know branded Versace, but, you know, that sort of thing. Um, yep. And you almost want to bring that into the development space. So particular interior designers and particular design houses, um, we want to partner with them um, to create that sort of more bespoke feel throughout the entire property, even down to like the exact paint colors that are picked, not just, you know, a bed here and a bed there. It's like the entire product from start to finish we want thought about. So it all flows and all sort of links into each other. I love that. I mean, like the branding side of things, I mean, I'm, I'm really passionate about. And I went to, I was at a hotel in London on Saturday and they had their own branded. I was like, this smells bloody amazing in there. It's like, oh yeah, that's ours. We had that custom made. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's stuff cool. like that is like, that's that cool. will stick with me. And I'll be yeah. like, taking pictures of it and being like right who did it for you i want that and that's the the key behind it is that feel you get i think it's a really great like the way you say partner i think it's a great because when you see stuff you see stuff from right move and whatnot and if you see like designed by x or you know in partnership with x, it does kind of give it a little bit more clout even though it might not really mean <laughs> anything it does give it a little bit more specialness doesn't it it's a little especially yeah, for people that buy in those kind so. of houses as well like I mean, are you with your? Do you have like? A, I'm guessing you have an end end user kind of demographic of the kind of people that buy your type of stock. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's site dependent, but do you do you do, do you do that? Can't do you go that far into your research and kind of base um, your properties on your end user, or do you just kind of get it done and kind of hope that they'll come along? No, so we're so that's how traditionally most people do it. We've we're taking a different view. So, and the sort of analogy that um, it's actually a developer guy Phoenix that um, interestingly said this, and it really stuck with me. Um, he did. Uh, you might have seen it on Instagram. It's called the Knoll. It's a house in Nottinghamshire, which is like it's beautiful. Guy's a really um, really interesting person, really interesting guy. Um, and he said that um, you know you wouldn't go to an artist and tell them what you want. An artist produce a piece. And you buy the piece, if that makes sense. You, yep. you don't tell an artist how to paint. The artist paints. And that's the sort of approach we're actually going to bring to these houses is we're going to produce top quality homes. They're not going to necessarily fit the mold. They're not going to necessarily be what the market expected. But we just know with the level of marketing we go to, um, the level of quality that people will travel for them. And, and we're just going to say, no, this is what we produce. And it's not you you know, we're the leaders, not client-led, if that makes sense. Um, so we're sort of turning it on its head that sense, in that way because, um, yeah, we, we, want, we know what we want to deliver and we know what works. And we don't want to be a standard house builder that just delivers slightly uninspiring boxes. So, that we're, you know, our product isn't going to be for everyone by any means, but we're also not mass market for that same reason. Um, but yeah, that's the sort of analogy that really stuck with me. Is you wouldn't, you don't tell an artist what to paint. That's a bloody good analogy. There, I like that. That's a... <laughs> yeah. Because um, yeah, we, we take we, when we kind of put this on the iTunes and Spotify, it, we take the little sound bites, and I think that'll probably be the sound bite that I take for this one. Yeah. One, okay. We had we had one girl. She was really sweet, and um, she was just like, I just Google it which is one of my favourite ones I've taken from all, of, from all of this. I was like, that's absolutely banging. Yeah. Um, so one thing that fascinated me about you was not just your age, but 
obviously the fact that you are a lady in a very male dominated sector um and i don't i don't speak ill of my profession and my sector but a lot a lot of the blokes are just wankers like how how have you how have you found the property sector as a woman as a young woman as well uh, how's it been um to be honest what i would say is like growing up i never my mom or dad were never like they never really i've got three older brothers and then there's me and it was never any different it was it, you know it wasn't i never even had that pep talk that was like you know because you're a girl you can still do it it was just it wasn't even acknowledged it was just my gender was an, a non-entity in my home so i never grew up thinking oh will things be different for me or whatnot i i never i've never questioned myself once because i of the fact i am a woman rather than like say a 40 year old bloke which is most of the industry um when i first obviously i first started working in the industry when i was 18 but even at 18 like most people were like wow you know more than most 35 year olds and you're 18 so i would sometimes get the odd comment that was like you know it's nice to have a pretty face or whatever around and it's like but then as soon as i started talking they were like oh oh okay so sometimes i'd get a bit of a comment but then they always very quickly change their tune and to be honest it's it, it doesn't bother me. It, like you, you do sometimes get it. Some of the comments I get on my YouTube videos and stuff, it's just like, yeah, great. Well done. But yeah, it's just one of those things that I, I've never considered it as an issue. If anything, I think it works in my favor a lot of the time because I'm very direct and in like negotiations, I'm very direct. Um, and I think I can get away with saying things because you, you get a lot of like this classic, like alpha male, alpha male, alpha male, yeah. male male <laughs> egos going on in the industry and they normally butt heads with each other whereas i can come in and say something that and they don't know how to react to it because because i am a young girl they're like oh can i be arsy back or they just it sort of diffuses the situation so if anything it's helped me get what i want half the time because most people don't know what don't know what to do with me pretty much so yeah but that's partly framed by the fact i've never seen it as anything other than it just is what it is like i don't see it as negative or positive it's just how it is yeah i mean that's i mean we're not much more you can say to that is there really i, yeah. I love that it's it's powerful and it's so nice to hear like positivity about young people in in the profession in, in property and i know it's it, it's a sector that has I think it has a lot of negative connotations a lot of the time for people that do yeah. work in the, in, the, in, the, in the property game. And it is hard trying to, to change that. And it is a faceless sector a lot of the time. There's yeah. a lot of people that aren't prepared to put their face on, which is why I think you guys will do very, very, very well. And I'm, I'm very looking forward to kind of watching how you guys get on. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what what's your kind of – not end goal, because you're, you're still so young to even think about end goal, but – like where I mean you might I mean you might be able to do that in a couple of years I don't know but uh, what you know, where where do you see your career going as kind of as a rosy as a, as a standalone person and it, and then kind of where would you like Newman Rose to go I just I love to know people's dreams basically it, it, I just it sounds a yeah. bit sad but it's what I ask on every interview that I ever do what's your dream and they're like what the hell is that but yeah I just like to know your dream <laughs> so <laughs> tell me your dream um, so. Tyler and I, like I said, we've got quite big plans. Um, we want to take a lot of the sort of models in the American sort of real estate market and bring them over here. I think people over here think small. Um, you know, we basically want to just go up a level. So we, we want to 
um, look at ways of taking on funds in sort of more dynamic ways rather than just standard go to a broker or get senior debt. We're looking at quite advanced ways of taking on um, debt and equity to grow the business rapidly. But then importantly, we basically just want to, the biggest thing we want to do is create a sort of retained PRS model or a, um, some call it like multi-family model, um, but have it as a defined brand. So it's, and this is like I say, it's all starting with the sort of residential stuff we're doing here so that it becomes aspirational to be in a Newman Rose or webinars branded under Newman Rose, whatever the brand is, PRS block, because it's, it's not just a PRS block, it's a whole lifestyle. And there are other companies doing it. Um, you know, there's, like I say, I've worked with quite a lot of them who do really nice product, but the branding just isn't there. You know, they, they don't have that, like, maybe it's the, the age of me and Tyler, like the social media presence, like it needs to be, basically we want, we want to be like the biggest within the UK, not necessarily in terms of numbers, but in terms of like, national recognition we want it there's not really a household name for development as you said it's faceless we want to be the household name for development though if someone goes oh who's a property developer they'll say newman rose i love that love that brad what you touched on with the prs schemes and having it as a kind of bespoke aspirational brand i think is banging especially places like um London, Manchester, Liverpool, where you don't target demographic might necessarily be able to afford to buy the house that they want to not pretend that they live in, but they live in. Yeah. Uh, but having a lifestyle that gives them that that feel, you know, oh, they are absolutely yeah. smashing it in life. And even like, would you so much? It's, it kind of sounds like a private members club, for a want of a better word, where you know you've got to earn the yeah. right, you've got to earn the right to live in. We, I spoke to a state agent once down here. Uh, I won't, well, I don't want to sound them. They're that company called Modern House. And uh, never worked with them, don't know them. Uh, but I rang them up and they were, we had an estate agency at the time down south. It was called Flat. Great. It was a great, great, great product. But I just, we ran out of money. We just couldn't keep pumping cash in because the set yeah. up estate agents on a national scale requires so much That's money. It. So we kind of just still there, but we just don't yeah. really have it at the moment. Um, but the brand and that is wicked. But anyway, uh, we're trying to see who our rivals were. And we rang up this company called uh, I won't say the name again because I don't want to get in trouble. But um, even though it's already in the podcast, it doesn't mean much. But uh, <laughs> we rang him up and I was like, oh, I want to sell my flat. Like, how does it work? He's like, oh, we'll send one of our appraisal specialists around to, to make sure you're worthy for us to sell. And I was like, oh. Okay. God. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have my house. <laughs> Take it. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking, that work, it triggered something in my brain. Like, if you if people earn the right to live in. But you want to be um, in the club then? Of course, yeah, it's a special thing. And you've got really like, cool well, gym. Like, why don't you want why don't you want my flat? Like what's wrong with my flat? Yeah, oh, that's I'll how you then feel. I'll yeah, pay your fee. Yeah, pay three percent. I'll take it. Yeah. But I think no, you understand. That, that. That's what we want yeah. to create. And, and the thing is, you know, obviously in the luxury residential, it will be quite high-end pricing. But in the PRS, that's mass market. So it's not it's a private members club, but it's accessible for everyone, is the key. Like everyone should be able to feel that. Like special like you know they should that shouldn't just be for the most wealthy people you know the prs model is a rental model for mass market there will be obviously some really nice penthouses and you know upper end stuff but the bulk of that stock will be accessible to most people you know people coming out of uni or whatever and it's you know our belief is that you know that doesn't mean you should have to live in a shithole basically you know it should still be 
that you get quality at every stage, you know, and even like the affordable housing we do, we're looking at some really interesting ways of delivering affordable housing at the minute. And again, you know, a lot of house builders, it's how, how cheap can you throw them up and they're poor quality and it's, you know, it, it's a shame. Whereas the way we're looking at it, we're taking some of the um, sort of interesting models that we look at in sort of the student space and seeing how they can be applied to the affordable housing market to basically create more value there to be able to deliver a better product. So it's not just, we want to deliver luxury at every stage that we're building, be that if it is at the high end of the market or even if it is just the affordable, we're going to deliver the best affordable homes that anyone delivers, basically. That is nice to hear because uh, the Section 106, like, I've got real mixed views on it. Like, I actually, <laughs> you know, I grew up in a quite a low-income family growing up and I, I, I fully appreciate what they're trying to do with the Section 106 style of things. But at the same time, I really actually begrudge it because you see people that work bloody hard to pay for these wonderful properties and these developments, yet people can get just shoved in there and not have to pay. And I, I know I shouldn't say that because I literally grew up as a, as a product of that, so I shouldn't say that, but I still really begrudge it. I just don't think it's fair. Um, and yeah. it, is, it is nice to hear that you're kind of putting the effort into that because there are kids out there like like little coals that's me um yeah. he would be there he could you know would be inspired by that kind of stuff because you do you know you do, you do get downtrodden on some well, of the stuff think, you grew up in it's awful some of the flats you see that are social housing that aren't it's, it's awful. Awful, awful awful yeah and you know no 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 one should have to we, you know we speak about this a lot no one should have to grow up in that you know no one has to be born at the end of the day and and me and Tyler we're big believers that like you know your immediate circle and the environment you're in shapes who you are um so you know if you're in a dingy flat with poor you know the, the health environment is poor so you're not your healthiest you know it's been poorly designed it's some post-war era uninspiring you know flat the odds are stacked against you whereas if you're you know, yes, you're from a family of low income who is on housing benefits, but you're in a lovely, affordable home, then, you know, one, they're going to be more, it's a beautiful house. So they're going to be more inclined to look after it rather than, oh, we've been moved into another shithole. Well, why, why, why should we be the ones that care when no one cares? You know, it changes the attitude. And not only that, you know, they're in a better space, they're happier, they're healthier. And in our opinion, that, that helps people become better people. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's investing sort of in the future almost by having those sorts of homes. Does that ever help with swinging the old plan, plan permission as well with stuff like that? Or is that something they take on board? Are they bothered about that or is that? It should be. That should be a big thing that really affects their decision. Um, one thing I did think, I don't know, you might be able to educate me a bit more on why it's not really ever taken off. And I think what, the reason a lot of people don't like renting is they feel like it's wasting money. That's what they've always mm-hmm. felt. You know, you're wasting. I don't want to pay someone else's mortgage. Um, like the rent to rent to buy as a as a product itself. Oh, you see it around, but I don't think it's ever really taken off. I I I've always thought there must be a way to you know to work for both parties with something like that. Is it? I mean, you probably tell me, Cole, shut up. You're being a stupid. Um, but so interestingly, in Europe, everywhere else doesn't. The UK is massively focused on home ownership. Um, yeah. The rest of Europe doesn't. It's very common to not buy a property in Europe until you're like 35, 40, even later. Or if at all, you know, people rent, and but they'll rent the same property for the same amount of time you'd almost buy a property for, you know, maybe 10 years, 20 years. Um, and they treat it as their own home. and But also rents are cheaper because the model is focused that way. So first of all, I think 
we should move to a model more like that. And that would drive down rental prices. The reason at the minute rents are stupid is because, I mean, for example, I used to rent and my mortgage is less than my rent, basically. Yep. And that's why it's stupid at the minute is because, you know, people are like, it is wasted money when you know full well, if you were able to get a deposit and were able to get the mortgage, you can afford the payments because you pay more for rent. So I get that. Um, in terms of like a, a rent to buy model, um, I think it's not something I've massively ever looked into because it's basically normally some sort of, it's, it's obviously a section 106 contribution. It's a type of affordable tenure. Um, and I know it ties people in is my understanding for quite a long time. If they're in a rent to buy or a shared ownership type scheme, um, you, you have to stay in that property for a fixed number of years in order to then get the benefits from it. And I don't like the idea of people having to be tied into something for years. Um, I think as long as the, you'd have to look at the calculations, how much could I save by just living in my current situation? And then could I buy a house out sooner versus if I lock myself in for five years on this rent to buy model, which works better. I think some people think getting on the housing ladder with a rent to buy model sooner is better, but I don't always think it necessarily works out financially better. Interesting. Interesting. I'll scrap that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could, as long as it was designed, I think, it, you know, it just needs to be looked at correctly to make sure it actually does help buyers in the long yeah. term um, is the key thing. And at the minute, to be honest, I, I probably don't know enough about it in detail, um, but that would be my thing is it just has to make sure it is benefiting the right people. And do you know, it just, it just reminded me of a point. It's completely irrelevant to what we've been saying. But um, very briefly on politics before we kind of get round things up. Housing MPs and like the housing ministers and whatnot, I wish they actually worked in property. Can you imagine Can you imagine a world dictated <laughs> yeah. by people that actually, under, like uh, Mr. Jemrick, who has a real, I do lease reform. That's my speciality. <laughs> and... He he done, oh, just, he done a clusterfuck of a press statement recently. Yeah. And you can tell they have no idea what they're talking about, mm -hmm. but it has oh, huge God, yeah. repercussions. And like, it's stamp duty for us. I was like, oh, oh. don't even get me started. It's, it, it's, I'm in the process of buying and selling now, and I've got four yeah. weeks to get mine done. Otherwise, I'm in for yeah. a big, big hit on the stamp. Yeah. I'm like, I, I've got, I'm hoping for a completion in June as well on my new house. And yeah, it's, the panic to get it through in time it's um, awful yeah. you bring the registry who are the worst run company in the entire world who who are also run by the government and it's just like oh like do you want to be i think you'd be good as housing minister do you want to run i'll back you i'll yeah. be a spin i'll be a yeah. spin doctor if you want I'll I, you I i genuinely have this because i remember i don't particularly vote because it's yeah which, which awful candidate you want to back basically because no one knows what they're doing i know enough about the the runnings of councils to know how inefficiently they're run. So it, it genuinely gets like my blood going. Um, but I remember when the last election, the um, Corbyn and Boris one was going on. Was it Boris or whoever? Um, and the, they were just changing their policies like day to day. And I remember as soon as they released the housing policies, I was like, not deliverable. If you ask any of the top contractors in the UK, not deliverable. Like there is not enough manpower you know, materials, anything to deliver the amount of homes they said they were going to deliver. So had you just spoke to anyone in construction, you would know that those policies are possible to be delivered. So I genuinely, and I, I've discussed this, why is there not an ombudsman for politics? How can politicians just say a completely unvetted statement, we're going to deliver X number of homes without consulting with 
leaders within that space. And then people vote based on what they think is going to happen. And they turn around and go, oh, well, it didn't happen. Like, they shouldn't be allowed to just say they can do something without checking it. And then if they don't follow through with the policies they do adopt, they should be like, I don't know, penalised in the next election for it. Because otherwise, how do you know what you're voting for? Because it's meaningless. It's Yeah, I would, if, I think if I got into politics, I would just be like, right, don't speak to me for a month. I'm just changing the whole system because I just think it's a joke. I think you'd be good. Hold another topic. <laughs> we'll save that for another day. But um, so we've come to the end. You have been an absolute wonderful guest, by the way. Like you, honestly, you've been very articulate, very knowledgeable, very personal, and it's, honestly, it's been lovely to have you on. And um, for my, you know, my six listeners, um, <laughs> um, any advice for anyone looking? In a very brief paragraph, for anyone looking to get into the property development sector, what would be kind of uh, Rosie's top tips? You can say get on your training course. You can say that if you want. But yeah. uh, <laughs> um, no, I would, I would say educate yourself in any way. Obviously, yes, I personally believe my education course is the best. But educate yourself in any way. Find someone else that you know that is in property. Men- get mentored by them educate yourself you know get understanding with the planning process um as much education as you can is fundamental i'm always still learning you know if i hire someone now i hire someone more skilled than me so i can learn from them always learn um and then i think the biggest thing is have the, like the longer term vision i think everyone wants to get rich quick nowadays and property development isn't that at the end of the day it's a long-term game um and don't underestimate you know, you're getting massive results don't think that that's not going to come from massive action at the start you know when I send out letters to find sites, I'm sending out hundreds of letters. You know, like you have to make big steps to get the big results at the end. So don't, yeah, be willing to like put in the graft, basically. Nice. Nice. Okay. And yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> um, how can anyone find you or what's the best way to track what you do? I mean, I will put the links in there, but is it YouTube? Is yeah. it Instagram? What would you? Yeah, Instagram and YouTube. Like I said, at the minute, we've not posted on YouTube for a little while, but that's hopefully changing soon with a full-time videographer now. So um, that's just Rosie Cassidy, R-O-S-E-Y, unusual spelling. Um, and then my Instagram's rosie.cassidy. Nice. Well, thank follow, you. Follow me on there. Thank you ever so much for coming on. Honestly, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, you've inspired me for the day, actually. So I'm going to speak to my business partners after this. I just, I just lovely girl. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and yeah, we will watch your journey and maybe get you yeah. back on again in the show at a later date, see how things are going. Amazing. And um, yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, no worries. Thanks so much for having me. Paying bills on time? Not maxing out credit cards? Yes, give yourself credit. You can get closer to big goals like home ownership by taking small steps to build up your credit. Level up your credit knowledge at Fannie Mae.com slash credit education. Hey.